It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Welcome to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast. In this two-part episode, we're out and about with foraging champion, author and food writer Adele Nozida. Her books include The Hedgerow Handbook, The Garden Forager, and the most recent, Foraging with Kids. She also runs a foraging school in Clanfrinach, in the heart of the Brecon Beacons in Wales, offering a range of courses on identifying edible wild plants and fungi, then how to use them in delicious food and drink. I can't wait to try the botanical gin workshop. Her courses for children, no gin of course, include outdoor on-the-spot cooking and fun bushcraft activities, helping kids and their grown-ups make the most of nature's larder and gain a greater understanding of the natural world through hands-on exploration. It's a sunny spring day and my seven-year-old son Otto, my partner Juliet and I meet Adele in Abergavenny where she runs foraging workshops in partnership with popular foodie destination, The Angel Hotel. We get started straight from the front door of the hotel. Would you think you're going to find most edible plants in really remote, rural places where no people have ever been? Why not? Because then nobody would have them. You're exactly right, actually. The best plants are where there's been loads of people coming through, so lots of different nationalities, Mm. lots of people from all over the world, because people carry plants with them. So in the soles of your boots right now, you will have seeds of plants that you don't even know about, which will drop off the sole of your boot and take root somewhere. Well, these are new. Okay, maybe you haven't got quite (laughs) so much stuff on the bottom of your boots, but you you get what I'm saying. My, My boots are quite new as well, but look at the amount of clutter I've got stuck in there. You can actually see seeds in there. Maybe I should go shake my boots out and see what grows. What do you reckon? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, where there's diversity of people, different races, different foods, different cultures, there's going to be the best foraging to be had. We've got an interesting little thing over here which is brought here by the Romans. Oh, wow. Just on the edge of the car park in Abigail. So what we're looking at here is something which I'm sure you would have seen loads of times, but you might have just passed it by. Do you want to have a, t- have a taste? Pick wild, some then and eat wild it. Wild garlic. It's not it? wild garlic, but it looks very like it. When you're picking, Otto, mm-hmm. always pick the whole stem 
because if I just do this, it doesn't give me much information. I've just got the top of the leaf there, but if I pick it with the stem, I can see what the stem looks like. Yeah. So it's, it's best if you pick as much of the thing as you can. Give it a taste. Do you like vegetables? Yeah. Excellent. Nice and crunchy. Good flavour. Mm. Does it have um, a pink flower? Yes, it does. Mm. And so we've this... got it in the back of our garden. Yeah, it's mm. called wall valerian and it grows yeah. everywhere. And it was one, yeah. of the, one of the plants the Romans brought as an edible. And it's a good, good flavour, isn't it? Mm. And if you think this is quite a strong flavour, if you have a boring old bag of supermarket salad, mm. it's usually a bit bland and a bit boring. But there are loads of things you can pop in there just to make it much more interesting and a bit more colourful and more flavoursome. Mm. And actually, I always say better for you because mm. you've picked it yourself yeah. and it's wild and it's free, so that's got to be good, right? Yeah. So wall valerian is a really tasty one and everybody knows what it looks like. Let's see what else we can find. Really am wanting to emphasise getting kids outside yeah. because I work with quite a few school projects and I see that maybe we are missing a trick. Mm. Children are naturally born to be outside, they absolutely love it, and yet they go from a box, which is a house, into a box, which is a car, into a box, which is a school. I, I don't know about you, but I used to trail along to school, um, often late, because I was kind of biting on a bit of an acorn and spitting it out. If we don't have that time to dawdle, then we don't have time to learn things, and I'm also seeing... Um, that kids are in front of screens quite a lot, which is a thing we have to live with, but we have to counteract that by getting outside as much as we can. And I'm figuring that if this planet is in a bit of a mess, then we're only going to fix it if we learn to love it. So that's why I need to take children out and teach them how to love what, what we're surrounded by. We have, yes, yeah. before we lose too yeah. much of it. Yes, yes, pretty much. Yeah, that's it. So we're here at, in late March, well, almost or early April. Yeah. Um, so what what kind of things can we expect to find today? Tends to be the season for leaves, really. Um, we're here in Abergavenny, and we've set off from the Angel Hotel. Um, I talked about how the best plants are found in very often in urban environments or certainly places in which there have been lots of different nationalities and different people coming through. Um, just looking around, um, we can see, you would expect to find nettles pretty much everywhere and we are not disappointed in Abergavenny. Mm. We've also got cleavers. Uh -huh. I did spot a bit of wild garlic growing in an unusual place earlier, so okay. I'll take you to that. Okay. We've got a lot of plants in Linda Vista Gardens as well, which were brought to Britain as being ornamental, which also edible. We've got Jack by the Hedge. Um, we have Hairy Bittercress we saw earlier. We have a Forsythia, which is edible. Um, yeah, Gosh. there's a whole range of things. And right towards the end of the walk, I found something very, very unusual, which we'll maybe talk about when we get to it. Oh, great. Mm, surprise in store. Okay, lovely. What do you reckon? Tell me about nettles. You can make them into basically anything. Gosh, really? Such as? Such as um, soup yep. or with pasta. pesto. Yes, little pesto. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. Did you know, you know we just looked at the wall valerian and we mm. talked about how the Romans had brought it to Britain. Do you know that the Romans also brought nettles here too? Oh. Huh. What they didn't know is we already had our own. Thank you. <laughs> but if they bothered bringing nettles with them all that way, that means they must have been important, right? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have brought them for no reason. Mm. So can you think of some of the reasons people may have brought nettles with them? Because they can eat them. Yes, definitely. Do they use, also make some alcohol or something? 
Nettle beer, beer yeah. for sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they definitely brought to eat. Mm. As, a, as a medicine, nettles are really good for UTIs, so urinary oh, tract infections. Right. Really? And if you are drinking water from sources that aren't particularly, you're not familiar with, that's the kind of thing you can get. You know, I remember, I don't know if they do this anymore, but I remember back in the sort of 1970s, 1980s, I remember going to Spain one year and my mum had all these different kind of pills for water purification. Right. To be quite honest, I don't think we got much far out of Grimsby before we kind of <laughs> cracking the water purification pills. But a nettle tea would have done just as well, if not better. Really? So that for sure would have been a reason um, for doing it. Mm. Um, so urinary, urinary tract just infections. Just of the leaves. Yes, exactly. Mm. The other thing I would say is nettles are, this is not a Roman usage, but nettles are really good against hay fever. They work really, really mm. well. Nettles water boiled up. Um, they would have brought them also for eating. Um, they brought them um, to keep themselves warm. This is a strange mm. process called urtication, which involves lashing yourself with nettles. Right. So each to his own. Indeed. Which is done also to, as, a, as a way of treating rheumatism, isn't it? That was Funny you should fashion. say that because that's another thing that currently um, scientists are looking into nettles as a possible, mm. uh, you know, cure for rheumatism. I think that the Vikings also did it and um, also some Native American Indian tribes. Mm. And so actually, basically, what you've got is men in skirts whipping each other with nettles. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, the other thing what they brought image? nettles for is something I've got in my bag here, which Otto might be interested in. Ooh, Otto, guess what this is made from? It's Ooh, a wow. big piece of fabric which looks a little bit like linen. possibly be nettles. It's beautiful. Funny you should say that. Yes, it is. is it's it made out of nettles. Look at that. Isn't that extraordinary? Isn't that a beautiful thing? What, is it from the stalks or from the it's from the It's from the stems. Oh, uh, this is Nepalese. very fibrous. Yeah, but feel this. Oh, this, to me, feels like this would almost... Water would run off really it. Soft. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. smooth and silky. So made from nettles. But then again, if you are wearing cotton, which I bet Otto is wearing cotton somewhere about his person, yes, what, do you think, what do you think cotton is? Nettles. It's plant, it's not mm -hmm. nettles, it's made out of something called cotton. <laughs> so it's not a huge stretch. But if you think that the German army in 1916 had run out of the fabric they were making their uniforms from and were so impoverished, mm. they were reduced to making them from nettle fibre. Oh, if you were, were going to be making nettle fibre in Britain today, it would not be poor man's hemp, believe me. It would be rich man's linen <laughs> yeah. yes. but it's just interesting how we use plants for certain things at certain times and then we stop doing it and then we come on a foraging walk and re-remember all this stuff I'll not re-remember that in particular I just find it fascinating um how much we're surrounded by plants and how little very often we know about them so here we have cleavers uh, yeah, otherwise known as horsehair. what could be done with those. Uh, there's lots of different names for these. I tell you what, where a plant has lots of different names, that means that human beings have mm. a kind of quite a close and very affectionate relationship with them. So mm. this is the stuff. I really like that. Which sticks to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, grass. It's stuck to you, darling. Sticky weeds. <laughs> it's going everywhere now. <laughs> um, but this is one of those things that kids just, we cannot help but play with it. I make crowns out of this sometimes. Mm. If you'd like a crown, we can make you a crown. Um, but just try the young tips of this. Admittedly, oh, yeah, I've had one of them before. The disclaimer here is that they have a slight Velcro-y texture. Mm. If you were to run this under cold water, 
for just a couple of minutes, then mm. that Velcro texture would kind of be neutralised. Well, actually, the the very, very young um, shoots aren't so Velcro-y, are they? No, they're not. Start, the tinder stuff in the middle is okay. Yeah. It's, it's really quite nice. nice. Mm. I, I really like the taste of this. For me, oh. it tastes a bit like peas. It's got a pea shoot mm. kind oh, of yeah. thing going on. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. eating this very happily. Yeah. Now, as a medicine, this is really good for lymphatic drainage. So if you have water retention, anything like that, and of course, right. if you if you use it like yeah. that, you will never, ever, ever get cellulite. <laughs> wow. And you can buy it online. At, no, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> and this is related mm. to coffee. It's the same plant oh, really? family. Later in the year, you see little bubbles, you know, little seed heads that come in tiny little pairs of bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you need a dog. Have you got a dog? <laughs> no, we haven't. That's a shame. I pester power, Otto. Um, <laughs> well, we're getting a cat soon. You're we? getting a cat, yeah, yeah. just as good. Because <laughs> if you send the cat out and get your cat to climb mm. through a load of um, sticky weed at mm. the right time of year, your cat will come back covered in these little bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> if you then brush the cat, get the bubbles off a the cat will love that and secondly you will have a harvest of those little bubbles if you roast those in a slow oven oh. and grind them up i'm told you can make a really acceptable coffee substitute really I haven't actually got around to Goodness doing that yet God. so if you guys could do it and let me know that'd be that'd be really handy <laughs> what we've got here there's so you know what you don't have to go very far to go foraging no. really do you know what this is it's a bit hard to recognise this time of year because all it has on it are its leaves. Oh, it's an elder. You knew that as soon as, as soon as I tell you. So this is one of our trees um, that... I love elder. Me too. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, in, in the olden days, people believed that this particular tree had a, was a kind of god. They deified it because it was so, so important. And the elder tree was ruled by the, oh, let's say is, is ruled by the elder mother, mm. who I always think of as being a bit of a mother-in-law type character, i.e. lovely, but you wouldn't want to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that idea because I think if we deify what's around us, then it makes us look at things Also the again. elder wand. The elder in Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Thanks for that. Connected <laughs> to the word elder, as in as our in Anglo-Saxon, yeah. a word for fire. Mm. Oh, that's right. So the so word, the, the original one. word, means fire, because what we used to do is, if you get a nice long, this tree, this particular tree is a little bit too young to be doing this, but if you if you cut um, between the nodes mm. of an elder tree to get a nice long straight stick. Um, the thing that's interesting about elder pith is it, if you dry it out, it will hold a spark and it will smoulder for quite some time. Okay. So then you've got is a smouldering material and a long hollow tube. So it means you have like a prototype box of matches. Yeah. Right, so you yeah. could go to wherever you're going, presumably on horseback. I always think they should do this in an episode of Poldark, actually. You should <laughs> down it, presumably, and then reignite the spark. If you exactly that. Exactly that. Wow. So this, this plant was so important at one point that we would nail a bough of elder over our front door to stop our house burning down. Mm. Also, do you think that would work? Mm. Me neither. It would do exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it would do the opposite. I don't think it would have had any effect at all. 
but that's just a, that just tells us how people used to think. It's called a superstition. Mm -hmm. And we still have lots of different superstitions, just not this particular one. Yeah. Um, although it's a much cheaper one than most household insurance these days. <laughs> Funnily enough, willow um, bark gives us one of the most important medicines. Oh, Do right? you know what it is? Yeah, aspirin. Mm. comes from salicylic acid. And prior to discovering willow bark we used a plant called meadow sweet yeah. which we will only see the young leaves of at this time of year but it's a very beautiful um, plant it grows to about three feet high with reddish colored stems and it has really beautiful cloudy billowy soft cream flowers that smell of almonds in the summer and often you see them before you smell them. Funny enough meadow sweet dust has become a bit of a chefy thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd want to eat anything called dust particularly um, but I have eaten meadowsweet flowers and they do taste really strongly of almonds so that's where oh. and the old name for um, meadowsweet was uh, well the Latin name was spirea and that's where aspirin comes from so hence you know all these plants we're looking at they even plants that are highly toxic have their benefits for, for human people for example you uh, which is every part of the yew tree is toxic, apart from one little bit, which I'm not going to tell you about because you don't need to know. Mm. Um, and yet it makes one of the most effective breast cancer treatments. Um, so, yeah, um, tamoxifen. So hence the Latin name, or rather the um, botanical name for yew is Taxus baccata, so that's where tamoxifen comes from. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Toxicity used for the right, in the right way. So yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So it does exactly what it needs to, yeah. for exactly how In long you need it to. You know, there was um, a lady, oh, I wish I could remember her name. She did some experimentation with a plant called Mimosa pudica, which is also called a sensitive plant. Okay. And she wondered if it could learn. And so with a sensitive plant, it's a ferny looking plant. And if you touch it, the leaves kind of close up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What she did was she dropped, she got... Um, several pots of this plant and she dropped it at regular intervals just um, about 12 inches or so I think yeah. and the plant initially um, as soon as it dropped to the ground kind of shriveled up and then it started relaxing it didn't take very long and stopped shriveling up she did the same thing a month later and the plant had remembered that it didn't need to bother about being dropped to the ground because it wasn't actually doing it any harm yeah. So this, some people are saying, is evidence that plants can maybe learn and have a memory. Also, there was a new scientist uh, report that came out about two years ago, uh, which posited the theory that plants have at least 20 senses, which are unknown to human beings. And if you think that we're standing on the ground here, for each of our footprints, there's at least 300 miles of something called mycorrhizae which is an underground communication system. Look what I found. Oh, that is beautiful. That is a beautiful log with turkey tail fungi on it. That is extraordinary. Now, some people make a medicine out of this kind of fungi. Personally, I would want to take this home and, and use it in, you know, if you... It's a decoration. It's a beautiful work of art, isn't it? It is, isn't Actually, it? That is such a great find. Yeah. And look, that looks like at some point that wood has been cut, doesn't it? So that would have been the underside. That is beautiful. Bored all the way through, find. isn't it? 
So under the under our feet. Yeah, three hundred yeah. miles of a communication network right. under each of your feet. <laughs> and we think the internet superhighway is a human invention. <laughs> yes, yes. So this is the plant's way of communicating. And that's where it was. Oh. That's where it was. Look at that. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Are you still going to take it home with you? Or are you going to leave it where it is? Uh, I think we'll leave it because it's the home for that little woodlouse. That yeah. is true, actually. Mm, that little yeah. woodlouse, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what just happened? I was just having a Sunday lunch and the roof came off. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it amazing how just walking around outside just makes you feel instantly fantastic, relaxed? <laughs> yeah. What we've got here is burdock. Oh. Have you heard of dandelion and burdock? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you like it also? Have you We're ever tried? Well, I think you've had a drink. Actually, you've had a drink with dandelion and burdock. What have I got here? Yeah. What I have here in my pocket, on the off chance we were going to see some burdock, which I never know if we are going to. Here right. is some burdock root. Would you yeah. like to try it? So, if you hold your hand out, the way to eat this is to pop it in your mouth. I know that's not very much, but a little bit goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Pop it in your mouth and let your saliva start working on it. So mm. it goes soft. So don't chew it. Just you can start to chew it once it gets a bit softer. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. It's like fennel. Already. Mm. Yeah. It's Ooh, got yeah, a licorice like sweet. Mm. Um, and that's the root of this plant here. So it's quite an interesting plant burdock. It's one of my favourites in terms of it's not actually edible above, well, some people eat it above the ground. So this will go to be about this height, mm. so maybe three, four feet off the ground, mm. in its second year of growth. And it's that plant that you see sometimes that has really fuzzy, um, sticky, burry bits that if you do walk your dog through it, you sometimes have to cut them out of the dog's hair if you've got a long-haired dog. Um, not that yeah. it hurts the dog. And that's mm. what inspired Velcro, believe it or not. Oh, was burdock. So burdock root used to be as, as a cough medicine. Oh, okay. And I think the reason dandelion and burdock got together was because if you're digging up burdock, you inevitably get dandelion mm. in with it. So the two things together work quite well. Um, right. And what I'll get you to try in a minute is some dandelion root mm. as well. So you get the idea of the dandelion and burdock together. Okay. Would you guys like to try some dandelion root yeah. now to go with the burdock? So I got you to try the burdock first because the dandelion is a much stronger flavour. Mm. And if I'd done it the other way around, then the flavour of the burdock would have been drowned out. Ooh. So let's have a try of the dandelion. Same procedure, just pop it in your mouth and let it go soft. And then tell me what you think it tastes like. It's quite bitter. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Nice. Quite nice, isn't it? Mm. I think sugar. it tastes a bit yeah, like sugar. Yeah. Mm. Burnt sugar. sugar. Just, yeah. Mm. You know when you um, roast parsnips and then you have the burnt bit that's stuck to the tin that you eat before you do the washing up? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to me, it tastes like that. I think yeah. it's a lovely, lovely flavour. And the two together, you see lots of burdock here. Look, loads of it. It would be interesting if we could find some from last year that has the burrs on it. Oh, yeah, right. It's the crinkly leaf thing, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly yeah. it. And is there, is there anything that can be done with the leaves, or is it just the root? I think it's just the root, in all honesty. Yeah, the leaves it's used, like, it's like used in Japan as well. It's called, I think they call it gobo. Mm. Okay. So it's the root kind of sliced really thinly. Look oh. what we've got here, though. Um, so this is, you know, I was talking to you about meadow sweets. Yeah. yeah. Um, and salicylic acid. This is a meadow sweet leaf. So we know that this is going to have loads of meadowsweet flowers later on in the year. So this is this is it's good to kind of clock things. Yeah, I think, oh, I'll come back. Yes, what it was. Yeah, 
And so, then, do we use the leaves at all? Or I wouldn't not? use the leaves. No. no, largely what it's used for is just the just the flowers. Okay. Um, it used to be in in Elizabethan day. This was used as a strewing herb. Oh, right. So it's slightly insecticidal, and it also would have covered up the horrendous smell of a time when people had a bath maybe once a year if they were pushed. <laughs> well, it's horses for courses, isn't it? We've got a lovely stand here of um, wild yellow primroses as well. Primroses, obviously, are an edible flower. They're kind of too pretty to eat, though, aren't they, really? I think. So the wild ones are just as edible as... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The tame yeah. ones are just as edible as the wild ones and vice versa. Yeah. There seems to be a sock in that tree. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Not edible. I sleep there, I Do you know you've got um, sticky weed in your hair? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this here is a hogweed. Oh, a hogweed. Yes. Hogwarts weed. <laughs> So, although you'll hear horror stories about giant hogweed, Definitely. so hogweed yeah. is, is the one that if you are strimming oh, in the summer okay. um, and you strim this, uh, the, the giant hogweed down, that's the one that can make There's your skin... There's a ladybird on it. That's the one that can make your skin blister and bubble. Oh, gosh, yeah. So you need to be aware of what it looks like yes. um, so you don't so allow that to happen. The what it is is the action of sunlight mm. um, basically t makes the, the leaves have a compound in them. That the, I'm putting this very clumsily. That's a bit like battery acid. So you can imagine the damage it does. However, it's very, it's very good for a specific kind of butterfly. Mm. So there's no reason at all that we should be chopping this down. All we need to do is give people the proper information. Thanks for listening to part one of BBC Country File magazine's podcast with foraging hero and author Adele Nozida. Be sure to listen to part two for more exciting plant discoveries. For more information on Adele's workshops, go to brickandbeaconsforaging.com. For articles on foraging, including foraging guides, month by month, go to countryfile.com. Do let us know what you thought of this podcast or just get in touch if you have podcast ideas for us send an email to editor at countryfile.com.